Welcome back to another episode of Mixing Up with Maggie. If you haven't heard my previous episodes, I will link them down below. This season, we're all talking about the year with COVID-19, trying to play catch up with our health, our kids, our food, and our careers, and now our mental health. It's time. It's time to unpack this. And yes, a whole season can be dedicated to this topic, but we will try our best to start the conversation here. A year ago, during the month of March, NYC stopped, and with it, our local stores, our schools, even our doctor's offices. Due to this, people did not have that much access to their friends, families, social and support groups. That human contact, not even email, phone calls, or Zoom, or even social media DMs can replace. We humans are frankly idiots, but we are resilient, and we found ways to cope with our virtual therapy and our group meetings and thank goodness for essential workers like the transportation system, post office, and supermarkets because for some, not all, we're still able to obtain medication and equipment needed. But it's not enough. For those coping with an existing mental health issue like chronic anxiety, it's been harder to catch up. And for those who have ad adapted to the isolation working from home, not even seeing families or friends, not even celebrating or grieving, as we all have been doing before, have ignited and are worsened symptoms like social anxiety, depression, and many others. To talk more about this, I have with me Joselina Castillo. So Joselina, why don't you introduce yourself? It's your first time on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about what you do before we begin talking about mental health. Hi, Maggie. Thank you so much for inviting me in to talk about mental health. My name is Jocelyna Castillo, and I am a licensed social worker. And just, I really like to think in like, you know, when you're talking about wellness, I really like to think in helping the person come to themselves and, and recenter themselves and regroup themselves, whether that's from past trauma, recent trauma, or the anxieties of everyday life. And so my current position is I am a crisis clinician over at Integrity House in the heart of New York, where I work in a residential and outpatient recovery center. Well, first of all, thank you so much for what you're doing. It is essential workers like yourself that are really needed. And I think that we, we've, we've seen so many different things come up from like the mental health community uh, during this, cri this unprecedented crisis. So I want to talk a little bit about what have been uh, what have been the, your work like um, as as a health um, mental health professional and as a social worker. Um, I feel like a lot of people, you know, I have family and friends that are saying, you know, at the very beginning of this, they couldn't even find their medication. They couldn't even obtain their services that they needed. So I understand that um, things have been improving due to Zoom and other ways of communicating. So what have, what's it, what's it been like for social workers and mental health professionals um, during uh, this pandemic? It has been surreal. I think that um, in the same way that it's been for, you know, each and every one of us, I think that our profession has been really difficult because I like to think that if you're a social worker or you're in mental health, it's because you're passionate about what you do. And it's because you're passionate about the well-being of your client. And so it's been very difficult to not be there for someone that really needs you there. And sometimes, like, you know, do not touch the person. Man, no. Sometimes my client needs a hug. Like, you know, sometimes my client needs a high five. Sometimes my client needs me to escort them to the bus stop, you know. And so that human connection that we all crave. 
it wasn't there for so long. And, and it's very much affected a lot of people and it's affected, um, specifically the realm that I'm in, which is substance use. A lot of the clients that I have, their story is I relapsed during COVID. And have you found that technology in the digital space, meaning zoom, uh, phone calls, sex messaging, FaceTime has helped or, or has it, or has it still, you know, lack that, that human connection? I think on one aspect, technology totally helps because like we say in Spanish, por lo menos, like at least we have this, you know, which is great. However, some people need human connection. Some people like, and, and by that, I mean, like, they will relapse. They will lie to you. They will, you know, like, they, and, and by that, I don't even mean that they'll lie to you. Like, oh, you're lying to me. Like, no, like their mental health is dwindling and you don't even know that they're suicidal and they're not going to tell you about it because they don't have to see you face to face. Like, you know, the amount, like my, my title is a crisis clinician. The amount of crises that we've had is, isn't, it's a lot. It's surmountable. Yeah. I don't know um, if you have seen this, but um, in the past, maybe two or three months, I've noticed in the news there here in in New York City, there's been so many people that push other people off the train rail and the news, like the media has, what they say is it's because of mental health. They don't say anything about anything else. They just say, oh, they're, they're suffering from a mental health. They don't have their pills. They don't have their medication. And that's, why they're acting that way which sometimes I feel that maybe uh, mental health is put in I guess a huge label for anything somebody's acting not according to society uh, they're 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 having a mental health crisis they are they're not doing what they're supposed to do um what and I know that there's a lot of you know we can talk about this in a completely different episode when it comes to like police and other services and and how they deal with somebody who is actually having a mental health crisis but um do you think that that label is rightfully so like anytime that you see someone in the media particularly when people say you know somebody's acting strange or 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 whatnot or not according to society they automatically say this person you know needs therapy right away they they put into this label oh man How can I start answering this one? The human person consists of two things, your mind and your body. And I am not me without my mind. Therefore, everyone has mental health. Whether it's a good mental health or a bad mental health, we all have it. And so, yes, your days do fluctuate according to person and environment. How are you doing in your family dynamic? Yo, if you have a really complicated household, you're really like you're five people in a two bedroom apartment. It's going to get crazy and it's going to affect you. Is it going to make you push someone off the train and then you get to blame it for it? I'm not quite sure. Is there a correlation? Yes. Is there a causation? Perhaps not. Um, And so I think that it is a term that is coined a little too often as a get out of jail free card. Oh, I don't have my meds. No, no, no. You're just disrespectful. That's what it is. Um, You know, I have, uh, I have, um, Someone very close to me, my, my little brother is, um, you know, he's getting like additional services at school. He's like in special ed and he was misbehaving in school on virtual learning. And I'm a clinician. And so I was talking to the clinician. We were all on a Zoom call. And it was really interesting because after everyone got off the call, I got on the phone with her and I was like, my brother just needs an ass whooping. Like there's a mental health. And then there is, you know discipline. Then there's other things. I'm not saying that half of society needs an ass whooping, 
But I am saying that to some extent and to some degree, what we really need are other areas of our life that are being affected. So yes, perhaps it is, you know, psychopharmacology, perhaps it is your medication that needs to be adjusted. Perhaps it is, you know, um, your mental health that you're having a really off day, but perhaps it is that you haven't prayed in two weeks and it's affecting your mental health. Perhaps it is that you're having a really bad diet and now it's affecting your mental health, you know? Um, perhaps it is that you haven't soaked in any vitamin D, you know? So there is a lot that affects our mental health and we just tend to toss the term as a causation when it's just a correlation. Definitely. And I'm going to challenge you uh, to define another term, actually, because 2020 had this huge hashtag of self-care. It was all about self-care, self-love and self-care and this and that. And I'm I, I want to say I'm really bad at it. I'm I'm really bad at being idle or taking a quote unquote a break. And we can definitely have a conversation about that some other time, because I know that that has to do with anxiety. But when I used to see this term self-care, it kind of used to, I don't know, something about it didn't seem right to me. And I don't know what you or someone else in the mental health department will think about it. But I just feel like that is also causing some weird behavior amongst people. And it's, I, I'm not sure how to put it, but when I see it on social media, something about it, and maybe because of social media too, seems fake to me. Um, seems not genuine and I just feel like some some respects to it have to do with like self-destructive behavior instead of or in self-indulgence instead of actual self-care what do you I'm in in your own way what do you think of like self-care and how we've been using that term that is so funny so um when I was in graduate school you know they would throw around self-care and I'm like what do y'all mean by self-care like, is it an extra slice of pizza? Like, what is, you know, self-care? Like, oh, I'm going to take care of myself. Let me go get myself a pepperoni slice. I think that if you need to gloat about your self-care, is it really self-care? Like, you know, if I need to go around and let you know how I took care of myself, I'm not really taking care of myself. I'm letting you know I'm taking care of myself. So I'm taking care of you, even while I'm taking care of myself. So it's not self-care. In order for it to be self-care, it is something that I truly enjoy. And it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with me. And so whether that is an extra slice of pizza or whether that is me taking a moment to breathe in and hearing the birds in the background, you didn't even know I took care of myself in that one second, you know? I think it's a, it's a both a good and a bad thing. I think that it's very good that as a society, we're seeing how our mental health is extremely affected if you don't take care of yourself. But I think that there needs to be a conversation about what does taking care of yourself look like. Definitely. I actually, the first time I ever heard something similar to that was when I was in school. We were like, oh yeah, like somebody, so-and-so missed school. What, what's wrong with her? Oh, she's having a mental health day. She's taking a mental health day. Um, so that's how I, I, I associate it. But um, speaking of, of social media, because this was a huge hashtag, but speaking of social media, and I talked about this in an, a previous episode dealing with mental health and social media. Social media is a double-edged sword. I spoke about this topic last season, right at the beginning of this. Um, it was easier to disconnect when we thought that this was like a two-week thing. Um, but this is taking on a longer period of time and we are adapting and adopting 
the, the virtual realm of everything. What do you think will happen in the future when it comes to interaction, communication, and relationships? I understand that we can have an entire episode on this question. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind if you don't, um, if you don't answer it thoroughly. Um, but I think that having everything virtual, especially for somebody like me that craves physical contact with people, it's, it's hard. I'm not the type of person to comment on people's posts, posts every day. Um, and it's something about it seems weird and off to me. And um, I'm also single. And, you know, there's been so many commercials that pop up every single day of like how to find love in this virtual era. And I'm just not about it. <laughs> so I don't know if it means that we're just completely moving towards virtual or I don't know if you see if maybe by the time we we start going out like I, I went out um not that long ago and I find it just a little awkward like there's like an awkwardness that happens when we start reshifting back into open areas and, and going out with friends and maybe having dates um so I don't know how do you see our communications and relationships being affected by being away from each other how would human connection be different once you see it again? Well, I think we see it like now, right? Like, I don't know. I remember, I remember growing up, you know, I would have to like take the bus to go to high school and I would crave human connection. And I would say to people like, good morning on the bus stop, like to anybody, anybody that would talk to me. And, um, you know, especially like when you take the train or something, like people think you're hitting on them. Like, yo, you say good morning. How are you to somebody? And ya tu ta tirando piropo, be careful because there are girls right next to them and they're like, whoa, sir, good morning to the two of you. May I get you a latte? You know, um, like you have to be very clear with your intentions. And, and I personally am very much the type that craves human connection, but I crave authenticity. If it's not real, I'm not interested. And so I feel like, I don't know, I'm very like hippie-ish, I guess, when it comes to this, but like, the connection will come to you. Your heart will be full of love and you will connect with the people that you ought to connect to when you ought to connect with them. And even if things are awkward at first, love will find itself. I like that because I think a lot of the times we we mistake, we put connection as a broad general term and, and I'm going to use that from now on. I crave authenticity. That's I think that that's my, my big thing, especially with like social media and like there's something fake about it that really kind of struck me. And one of one of my my last questions here is I see ads all the time um, on Instagram, other social media platform and on television of these virtual spaces for therapy, like talk therapy, talk space. There's one called um, betterhelp.com and they, you know, claim to connect you with a mental health professional um, virtually through text, video or chat and could help you. And I've been struggling to find actually um, a therapist. I actually had a really, really uh, negative experience where I called that person and the person was like, I'm in Target right now. Like why, I was like, but you told me to call you, is my therapy time? Anyways, um, what, what do you think of these virtual therapy sessions that uh, you know, these these virtual places that are trying to help, I guess. But I, I'm just like afraid of them because I don't know who's at the other end. I don't know like my privacy meters are in those places. And do you know of anyone, of anything that actually works um, 
in terms of those uh, commercials and advertisements that we see on social media for for therapy? That's a really shitty therapist. You should fire her. Like you should fire that person. That person, you can fire a therapist. There's two good reasons to fire someone. Either they're excellent or they're shitty. This person, unfortunately, is on the ladder. Your therapist, it's great if it's a long-term thing, but it does not have to be. That is not the goal. However, it's also not the goal for your therapist to tell you, excuse me, I'm at Target right now. Um, you're, I'm going to have to call you back at another time. Uh, it's funny because for me as a crisis clinician, I literally um, have a work phone and I am available to my clients, especially for crisis on call 24-7. You know, will I pick up at 2 a.m.? Probably not. But if you call me three times, I might. I found my personal therapist during COVID and I see her virtually and I love it. She is phenomenal. And, and it's just great. Uh, confidentiality is not breached. I know that she is in her office and about talk spaces. I'm not very familiar with like what that is in terms of like, is it like a chat room? Is it like me and my therapist? But I do know that there are hotlines, especially in New York city. And, and I've gotten an amazing assessment. They, they did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. I was actually extremely impressed with how thorough and how phenomenal um, the, the person on the other end was. For someone who sees the need of mental health professionals in this time, particularly because of COVID, um, what are some ways that people that are interested in this field can get involved? Obviously you have your master's. For somebody who's just starting out, what is a good advice for them? Most of my life, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer and, um, and I got into law school. Um, I was headed in that direction. And then I went on an eat, pray, love journey to Mexico city. I booked a flight by myself and I went to go spend a week in Mexico city. I know nobody there. I, um, had no itinerary. It was literally just me and Mexico. And I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out my career by the end of this trip. I don't know how, but I know I will. And I did. And here I am. I'm a social worker. Um, when I went on this trip, my intention was to figure out if I was going to accept law school or accept or, or pursue graduate school for social work. It was Wednesday night. They have a rooftop bar here. So I go up to the rooftop bar, order a drink, and some girl comes up to me. And she's like so cute and quirky. And she's like, hi, my name is, I don't know. And she's like, we're a group of social workers from all over the world talking about how great social work is. Do you want to join us? And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Is this really how this works? <laughs> and so here I am as a social worker now, uh, three years later. So I do believe that like what you're passionate about was put in your heart for a reason, whether that's to be a social worker, a therapist. Um, you know, if you're struggling with addiction, there's people that I know and love that are in recovery, whether they're struggling with mental health whether they're struggling themselves with addiction and they're like, shit, I would love to be a therapist, but I'm crazy myself. How am I going to help someone? Well, we're all crazy. Okay. We all have mental health. We all, I don't like the term crazy because it's, it's stigmatized in and of itself, but you know, we all have our own wounds, but our wounds heal each other. And so find what you're passionate about and, and be zealous in that direction. I love that. Um, I don't want to think, uh, take that much of your time. So I, I, want to know if you have any final words for somebody who is listening to us, who is struggling, who's maybe thinking of going to therapy, who thinks that they have it all under control, like somebody that I know, I'm just going to point, 
in the direction of myself, but um, where, what do you think it's the best way for someone to maybe like find help or, or what is your final um, thoughts on, on, me- on mental health and during, during COVID because things have changed. Um, I, I tried my best to find it through my primary care physician and it, and it didn't work. Do you have any, any advice in terms of that or any final thoughts on, you know, if somebody is struggling, what can they do to better themselves, at least to take the first step? Yeah, I think it's great that you want to kind of end on this note. Um, I personally was looking for a therapist during COVID, so I know the struggle firsthand. And I called my insurance company. And I went through my insurance company and I asked for a list of, um, I asked for a list of clinicians that would take my insurance. That was one thing. Um, And then I would see their credentials, right? So you could read the credentials online. I would read up on what they have expertise in. And I would see if that kind of lines up with what my area of need is um, or what my life experiences are, you know? Um, Additionally, What I also did is a lot of therapists work with sliding scale. So if you want therapy with someone and you're like, yo, like you charge the insurance $125 an hour, like the reality is I cannot pay you $125 an hour. I could probably pay you 20 bucks. Well, then you talk to them and there are some that do a sliding scale and they'll see you because we're in this field because we love it. Trust me, I'm not a therapist because I want to make money. Not it. Um, and then lastly, there's also um, psychotherapy centers. So look up, um, you know, psychoeducation, look up psycho- psychiatrists near me, psychiatrists, no, psychologists and LSWs, social workers, um, clinical social workers, a professional counselor, an LPC. Um, if you're struggling with addiction, you know, look up substance abuse treatment centers, look up um, CCBHC, which is an agency that I work for, a certified behavioral health center. And they, they work in a wraparound approach um, to, to target you in, in, in whole well-being, wholeness and well-being. Um, and you're gonna find someone. And it has come across where the first time I saw a therapist, I was like, wow, I really don't like this vibe. And so you're like, thank you very much for your time. Um, and you never see them again you go on to the next one so don't divulge too much information on someone that you don't think you're going to stick with definitely and thank you so much i i would really appreciate if you can share with me any uh resources or anything that people can um can go to and i will put it on the links down down below i think it's awesome that you're also a latina and that you're you speak both english and spanish because we need that i was actually looking for um, a bilingual person and, and somebody who who is of the same cultural background just because of comfort i think that that's why we want to talk to someone else um, we don't want to have to explain ourselves um, any little thing we want to speak freely hablar así como yo quiera hablar so thank you so much for for hanging out with me for this short period of time um, i hope that the people that are listening you know, do stick around and I want to have an entire, you know, month and an entire session just dedicated to so many of these questions that we can do basically five different episodes on these five different questions with you and and others, because I think that this is very important. And I think that uh, with all of the other episodes that I did, whether it is about education, about career, I think that we are idiots, but we're resilient idiots. Like we want to 
be better. Um, we have it in us to strive to be better. And one of the things that, that we are striving with right now is how to be better with ourselves and, and how to be good to uh, ourselves, how to be a nice person to me, how to be a good friend to myself. And I think that it's something that is, is learned. I don't think anybody's born just being all happy and, and knowing how to self-care. I think it's something that we learn, we learn to do. And thank you so much for being here. And um, I really appreciate it. You came in the last minute and I appreciate also my brother. I want to shout out to him. He's been helping me always and, and uh, with the podcast and also uh, getting people involved and in, in talking about mental health. So thank you so much, Joselina. And please share with us any resources that we can use for, for ourselves and others. Thank you. Mm -hmm.